crayons that you might want to use, paints, papers, life drawings, all of those things, have they then started to impinge on the now moment? Yeah. So, you know, it's like, yes, you need those things to grab and, and create with. But if they're if your moment is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and more and more cramped, then it's it's difficult for them to be in the in the flow. Hello and welcome to Art Juice. This is honest, generous and humorous conversations that will feed your creative soul and get you thinking. And today might also be a little bit of a challenge, so it definitely comes under the thinking category. You're joining me, Alice Sheridan, and I have a lovely guest with me, Helen Sanderson, who has an expertise in an area that I think all of us can benefit from. Helen works as a professional declutterer and if the idea of the phrase of that makes you shrink because we all have those little piles or things that hide in corners that we can't quite face up to, this is going to be the conversation for you. I know I thought of her this weekend as I was clearing space for open studios and artists at home but the work she does goes far far deeper than that so I think this is going to be a great conversation come along with us for the ride and I know that if you put some of what we talk about into action this is going to make changes for you welcome to Art Juice Helen it's lovely to have you here thank you for having me you're great I'm so pleased to be joining you and of course because I um, started off my life journey as an artist um, I'm very um, happy to be serving your audience so that's really great well we had a lovely session in the membership and we were just chatting before we kicked off about you know the the really nice impact that that has had on people in all sorts of different ways which I think we'll kind of come back to as we talk about why this stuff makes such a difference I think it's interesting just to let people know there's a couple of things about this you and I first connected over 10 years ago on a course which was about bringing what you love into action and making things happen and there were quite a few people on that course and I think we connected because I wasn't doing an art project then I was doing something about your space at home and I think that's why we have kept in touch so Firstly, it's interesting that people you meet through these things, you're still in touch with and things come around actually quite a long time later. But just tell us first, why is your environment, from what you've seen, why is our environment and the space that we create around us so important for people? Um, well, firstly, I think that your home is how you express yourself. So, I mean, you know, obviously we're talking to artists and they maybe they um, express themselves through a certain media. But I do believe that we express ourselves in how we dress. We express ourselves in how we create our home. And it's all very linked to our identity. So not but not everybody's going to use their home as a as their palette. But a lot of people, you know, say to me, I don't want my home to look like a hotel. I want it to be homely. I want it to express me, my life, my family. So we kind of um, I feel that our home holds our life story in lots of ways. So if we have a love of books and it's very linked to our identity, then our bookshelf is really important to us. Um, or if we love colors or textures, then, you know, how we design it is going to be important to us. Um, if we're very functional focused people, then, you know, the home will have a very functional purpose. So it's very, very personal. And, you know, that's why 
a lot of people that have clutter you know don't want anyone to come inside you know they mm. they feel a lot of shame because they feel ashamed about a part of themselves so it's incredibly interconnected to our personality our psychology our identity um and and it's also connected to how how we live our life so i you know in my book um which i'm sure we'll talk about the idea of our home being like our flight deck so it's it's the place that you run your life from mm-hmm. so you know people say to me oh i spend away so much time looking for things or i don't know where things are or i'm in a muddle then it's about efficiency. So, you know, there's lots of different aspects of of the home and why it's important to us, whether or not we've got headspace, whether or not we can think, whether or not we can find things, how we're running our life. Do we, are you running your life from a, from a place of chaos? Mm. So, you know, it's, it's very, it's very complicated. So you can look at it from a very superficial level or from a very deep level. And, and, I'm sure that there's so many different people listening and lots of people will connect to one or two or three of those Mm. aspects I love that idea of the of the flight deck because you know that is your launch space isn't it that is the place that you wake up every day and actually also the place that you do have you do have some I mean there are lots of things in life that we don't have a lot of say in and there are elements of your home that you don't have a lot of say in but actually this sense of you can take ownership of this space doesn't always have to be in a huge way but even some very small changes can have huge shifts I think in the way that you approach things in that space that you operate from Mm. um yeah really interesting you mentioned lots of different elements of it what's your what's your background that led you to this um well apart from an art background (laughs) yeah um I where I was actually doing um, installations, I went to um, art school to do painting and ended up doing installations um, because I was really interested in how our environment impacts how we feel. So I was creating installations that would kind of impact how people experience them. And I think, you know, giving someone an experience is, is you know, very valuable part of um, creative work. Um, and then I worked, started well, I was studying psychotherapy and I went on and did some training as an interfaith minister and the principle there was in many ways one truth so I was really interested in sacred spaces and how we you know create a sense of awe or reverence in a in a non-religious way or in just in a spiritual way so um, I ended up kind of designing some interior design spaces that were sacred spaces non-denominational sacred spaces so again, it was a similar extension of of creating an installation for me. Uh, yeah. It was, you know, a space where, that gives you an experience. And now I'm working in people's homes where I want to help them have a different experience with their space. So rather than one that's frustrated and antagonistic, one that can be more peaceful, more functional, more um, effective and, you know, productive. So this idea of um, space giving having an impact on you um, is is really important and is kind of in a way been my life's work. Yeah, and it's a two. I think it's a two way thing as well, isn't it? There's an element of the idea of that reverence of your space um, and <clears throat> a deeper, more intimate n- knowledge of it. I mean, that's what I mean by it being a two way thing. Knowing 
how you can affect it and how also how it affects you. And when I say reverence, I mean, I mean, approaching it with a sense of um, gratitude for what you have mm -hmm. and also a clarity about looking after the things that you have and how you want to be in that space is tell us a little bit about the book because I know um actually before we get on to book the, I think the book is really interesting because it's about stories mm -hmm. um but you have quite a a, a busy multi-varied and we've got a lovely way that people can get involved later on mm -hmm. which we'll share with you at the end because there are lots of things Helen has a huge amount of resources um, I'm going to give you this now, actually. So her website is just helensanderson.com. Um, she does do one to work, but she also does these uh, Getting Clear workshops regularly, which you can find at gettingclear.live. And if you use the code JUICE50, um, that will save you 50% on your place. What, what are the Getting Clear workshops? Just tell us a little bit about this now. Um, the Getting Clear workshop is a deeper dive into some of the psychological reasons why we're getting in knots, tied up in knots with our with our space. So I feel that um, our home is a reflection of our inner space. I mean, you know, you you would have heard the saying, "Your home, your your bedroom is a state yeah. of your mind." <laughs> so you know. Um, and, you know, there's truth in that. So what, but then people get into the why, why can't I sort it out? What, what's yeah. going on? What's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you, but we, you know, so in the getting clear, we get clear about some of the reasons why that, that might be, you know, getting stuck and then what you can do about it. What are the steps, you know, that you need to take to get the results that you want? So it's a, it's a kind of a, a little bit of a dive into some of the psychology of, you know, why we might be getting stuck. Okay, so that's like a large live series that happens on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. And at an approachable kind of price point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very Brilliant. affordable. And and then we have a, a Q&A session. So any questions that are generated from that, we come back and I answer directly, you know, questions that people have. So there's an opportunity for much more engagement. Okay. So, so that's the getting clear and it, it's, you know, it's a great, uh, opportunity to to start learning a bit more and, and asking questions and having that involvement yeah and your website actually also has a huge amount of resources as well which I think really give a nice um taste of how people can start thinking about this and see the way you operate it's a very um, gentle and nurturing um way of approaching this which I know is difficult for people mm. um when you came into the membership and did some work with us, you had us do a really interesting little exercise. And you've got here some of the key kind of tenets or principles that guide you. And I think this one is so helpful, which is that beneath every pile of clutter is a story to be told. Mm. And I was thinking about this this weekend. I found a, a, a print. It's been tucked in the corner gathering dust for ages. And I actually thought, why am I hanging on to this? This is not my way. It's broken. The frame is broken. It's not an expensive frame. Why am I holding on to this? And asking that question helped me make the decision about getting rid of it. Mm. Tell us about why we do hold on to things that aren't serving us anymore. I think that 
we as i was saying earlier on about our identity that we that we have an ident identity related to to certain objects um and we imbue memories into them so mm -hmm. um so they will they they kind of serve as a sort of locus for a memory um and i've been you know i was i have a membership group too and i was talking to them recently about you know you can switch the memory from the object into a photograph. And, you know, there was lots of resistance to that, <laughs> but you know, that if you needing to have a locus of a memory in an object or a visual memory, then you can, you, you can use photographs. Um, so, so there is something about um, some, sometimes you'll pick up something and it will, it almost transports you back to a time in mm. your life. And sometimes that's a special time. And it's a good memory. And sometimes it's a painful memory. And why, and then you say, why would you hold on to a painful memory? And sometimes there's something that we need to learn from that, or there's some grieving or some processing that needs to happen around it. And I do feel that often one of the reasons why people have clutter is because they, they've hidden things away and they don't want to deal with those painful memories. And I completely get that. And I understand that. Um, but then what happens is that you you then become afraid of your own stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like you're tiptoeing around it. Um, but, you know, so that's the, essentially that's what my book is about. Stories of of things that we found or thing, you know, processes that have been unfolded. And and then having somebody to help you with that, having having someone to take you through that journey can be really helpful but we don't always find painful things. Sometimes there's that creative project, you know, maybe yes. that print reminded you of a process or a method that you wanted to explore that you've kind of forgotten and you were holding on to that as a way of, you know, helping yourself remember. So it, it's really understanding that, you know, yes, we are a bit, we're all a bit mad, but there's sometimes there's method in that unconscious yeah. madness. Yeah, it's the associations that you give to things, isn't it? I mean, what it, this was actually it was a it was a photograph that my brother had taken from a time when my parents were living abroad. Mm. So it had two different personal points of reference in it. But also it wasn't my photograph. It wasn't me living there. It, it actually but throwing it away felt like throwing away it felt like disregarding something that had come from my family. Yeah. And then, once I actually thought, but this isn't this isn't mine it went it was quite easy and then I found a whole load of other notebooks from right when I was beginning that I'd kept and I can't tell you the number of times that I have cleared that space and held on to those and this time they went they went and well it done. feels yeah. so good it does yeah. but it does sometimes take a little bit of time revisiting things doesn't it yeah. and yeah. and also I think realigning yourself with what's on the other side of it yeah. Like, what's it going to give me back if I do this work so that I'm not just shifting things from one, one space to another? Yeah, because if you're going to give something up, you want to know that you're going to get something back. You know, so yeah. uh, we talk about primary goals and secondary choices. Right. Um, you know, so sometimes your secondary choice, like going to the gym, I hate going to the gym. <laughs> But if my primary goal is to be fit and healthy, then, you know, so it's the same, same principle with, um, with clutter, you know, maybe you don't want to let go of stuff, but your primary goal is to have clear, simple space and more ease, then you need to let go of things. And, you know, with regards to letting go of that print, that often this is something that people say to me, it feels disrespectful to let this, mm -hmm. to let go of this gift, 
because somebody gave it to me to let go of something that belonged to my family members. And, and actually, even just last night, I was talking to my group about the, the importance of ritual. Sometimes you just need to just to hold something. I mean, I have this lovely experience of um, a client I worked with who had been to boarding school <laughs> and um, had this um, laundry basket. I mean, it's a bizarre thing, but it reminded him of and it, for him, it was a good experience being in boarding school. And I said, you know, how long are you going to keep holding on to this? And he said, mm, well, no, I'm going to let it go. He said, but he he picked it up and he kissed it and said goodbye, you know, and it, and it was just so such a lovely moment because actually sometimes you can let things go, but you just need to do it in a respectful way or in a way that honors what it was, what the memory that it's holding for you. And um and we talk about that in my in my kit. Um, you know, there's a process of how to how to deal with memories. And actually, um, there's lots of links uh, of resources and um, exercises that I've linked to my book. So when people buy my book, they get a link to do some res some resources. So things like rituals. You know, I've written some guidelines for all of that. But the book is the book is more than it's not like a practical guide is it to how to get rid of it tells stories mm, mm. as a way of unwrapping things yeah how did that come about um well I was very um I wanted to write a book um about my work um but I didn't want to write another how to declutter book yeah. because I felt that there was a very cluttered market and and I was very inspired by um, Stephen Gross's book, the 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 examined life. Yeah, if you've read it. Yeah. Um, and it's basically stories about clients that he's worked with, and it's some it's so profound that when you read the 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 chapter, it's almost like you were there in the therapy session. And and I just thought actually maybe people need this kind of book where they can experience some of the compassion and empathy that I have for my clients. Also, some of the, you know, um, reasons why people have got clutter. So there's lots of different stories in there, which are much easier to read than a <clears throat> how-to book. Um, it's not an academic book. It's, it's, a, it's an accessible book of stories of real people who got stuck for some reason or another. And I've had so many people say to me, um, actually, I identified with so many different aspects of those people. And when you have an identification with someone, you realize that you're not alone. And there's that lovely saying, you know, we read to know we're not alone. Um, and I think that was really the objective of my book, to let people know that they're not alone, that there are other people that are struggling with clutter and, you know, that there's good reason for it. So, yeah. It's interesting as well, isn't it? Because I mean, I can't imagine I said at the beginning, you know, if you listen, this is going to touch you because I can't imagine there is a single person who doesn't have some kind of, I don't want to use the word issue, but who doesn't have some kind of, don't even want to use the word struggle thing with this, because we all have lives that have a lot of stuff in. Mm. And so this is something, even if it's not a big traumatic issue this is something that we all have to deal with um so the book is called the secret life of clutter and i think also what's interesting about it is is it touches on that that hidden part of it 
It's probably things that we don't want to admit even to ourselves. It's often, well, for me anyway, it's tied to procrastinating about making a decision. Mm -hmm. It's tied to that idea that you said about holding on to ideas that you think you're going to come back to, but you don't have time for. Mm -hmm. And it pushes me into making some of the tougher decisions about what do I want from my life now and going forward. And in my experience, you know, that there are some things that it's quite easy when I'm doing a clear up, the easy things are the things that you can throw away and get rid of or the things that are broken or that kind of stuff that can go. But it's the things where you have to make decisions that are reflective about bigger decisions in your life. Mm. Those are the things that are a little bit harder. Can you do it on your own? Um, I, I'm, everyone's different. you know some people you know they say to me I haven't got a problem letting things go in fact I I throw things away on a regular basis but my partner they won't let go of anything and it's interesting how we you know opposites attract and you end up living with somebody who's you know got a different um, perspective but you know I think we or you say we have everybody generally we have a lot of stuff we live in a world where we're encouraged to consume and buy things and we're often very busy so you know that combination if you don't put time aside to actually make those decisions and and some of those decisions will be easy to make you know look I don't need five pairs of scissors you know that can go but some of them are going to be more complicated to make like my mum gave me that I don't really love it but it reminds me of my mum so I I say there's a quick process and there's a slow process The, the quick process is the functional where we can just reduce and the slow process is the more emotional sometimes we need a bit more support with that sometimes we you know I was thinking about you know when you have a second person there sometimes you see it through their eyes and it helps you to get a little bit more perspective because in our own head um things are just much more complicated yeah that's obviously that's why we have psychotherapists because once you've got it out of your head and you've got a different person looking at a scenario, you suddenly see it differently. So it's the same with it's the same with your, the, those objects and the clutter and the decisions that you need to make. It'd be a great thing to do with a friend, couldn't it? Yeah. I'm thinking about like your kit and and also just the the processing of the ideas. What do you want to do? Like for me, like I operate very much from a verbal point of view. So talking it through, do I want it? And somebody else asking you the questions rather than it just being me going around in my own head and not making decisions. That kind of body doubling idea with somebody yeah. else, you could mm-hmm. do it for each other, which would be great. Yeah. Um, when, if we comes back to kind of artist spaces, because mm-hmm. I'm thinking of um, Kate who kind of, overjoyedly came to share in the group she said I've had this heap of drawings from life drawing and she said that's just taking up space in the corner of my studio and not doing anybody any good there and then she was so excited she came in she said I've cleared it there's a rack I've selected the ones I want to keep they're hanging on this system the joyful part of that is the feeling of relief from making a decision like we've said but also acknowledging where you've come from in Mm. order to get here what's contributed to that and also giving space for that future part of you where do artists come unstuck in their spaces and how do we handle it 
Well, you know, I think I think you've already said one of the things, which is um, ideas that I've had that I want to, to yeah. you know, create. So I'm keeping that resource for for that. But from my experience of creative processes, that it's very fluid. And when you're in the flow, you're in the moment. And that's what's so in a way I, I do, th- you know, I think I think I said this before, I do think it's a spiritual experience. Yeah. You're very much in the moment when you're creating. And so in this moment now, you're doing what you're doing. Um, so that the ideas that you had yesterday, yesterday's ideas, they're not today's moment. Um, I also think that artists are very resourceful people. Um, so they will see something creative in anything. And that that's where the desire to gather, like maybe I might make yeah. that into something at some point. And, you know, so you've kind of collecting things that could be used creatively. And I think there's definitely value in that. And it's it's really about have you has your collection of things, i.e. objects that you might want to create, um, crayons that you might want to use, paints, papers, life drawings, all of those things. Have they then started to impinge on the now moment? Yeah. So, you know, it's like, yes, you need those things to grab and, and create with. But if they're if your moment is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and more and more cramped, then it's it's difficult for them to be in the in the flow. And you know, look, the glass is half full. You yes. know, if the glass if the glass is full, then there's no more room for anything else to come in. And I yes. think that your space, if your space is full, your head is full. So you need to clear a little bit out so that you can be more fluid. I think so often, and it's interesting how. It does happen a little bit more towards the beginning of an artist's journey where they are doing a lot of different things, different media. They haven't settled really with um, uh, maybe even a subject matter or materials. They're doing a lot of things. And that is at a stage where we do often collect. I've got lino cutting tools. I've got gouache. I've got oil. I've got you know lots of different things. And they are building up. And then, of course, we've invested those. We've invested time in those. We've invested money in those. And even when we, even when we start to uh, define a direction we we want to go into, we hold on to those previous bits of yourself because you might want to go back to them one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what you say about this is about making sure that those previous parts aren't encroaching on the space that's going to allow allow the real part of you to develop that's the bit and I do think that actually as you go on creatively I mean for me creative work is all about the process of making decisions Mm -hmm. like that's what creative work is it's decisions made visible yeah so we we do it all the time anyway actually Mm -hmm make decisions is it this or is it that is it one thing or another and I think that's why maybe it goes hand in hand that at the beginning we do a lot of gathering we do a lot of collecting and then there does need to be this process of refining filtering deciding so that we can choose going forward and I think we maybe give ourselves a hard time with this sense of you know cluttered artist studio and there's quite a lot of you know going back to this idea of identity that you said like we're only a true creative if we're living in a complete muddle mm-hmm. and actually well, you're, another way you're only a true creative if you're mad you know and that's not yes. true either is it yeah but, I mean, one of the things that you said about you know holding on to things it's a bit like 
um, you know, holding on to an old relationship. Mm. You know, if you're still lamenting over the that past relationship, you know, you can love and respect and value that time that you had together. But if it's if you're holding on to it in a way that means that you're not open to the new, then it becomes, you know, more problematic. And I think that we can be the same with our creative processes. If we're holding on to something in the past and not allowing those new decisions to be made, you know, that new project. Um, also, you talked about decisions where if you've, if you've got all this, so I, I talk about clutter as being the nag in your head. So you go into your studio or your home or wherever it is, and then this nag goes, you know, really should be decluttering this, or you really should be, you know, so then your head is then filled with shoulds and guilt and all of that. How easy is it then to go into a creative process where you're making decisions when your head is already full? Mm. So really it is about emptying out. Okay, so I'm going to spend this weekend clearing some clutter, clearing my studio. Then I come in and it's and it's and I've got more space to be really focused on the creative um, process. And the nag that's been going on and on and on at me and keeps coming, cutting in across my creative flow can be put uh, put away for a bit. So, you know, it, it is a very, um, you know, the mental made physical, which is essentially what, what you're doing when you're creating, isn't it? You, you've got an idea and you're manifesting that outside. So the same is happening with your clutter. You know, you, your internal and your external world are in, very interconnected. Do you do you always advise people to start small? I mean, if we're coming at a place where I'm reckoning everybody listening, when you talk about that inner nag, I bet everybody <laughs> can think of one space that 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 is. The good thing about it is when you can do that, even that one little thing. It does start to create quite a feel-good momentum, doesn't it? That has quite a lovely overflow effect on everything else. Yeah. Um, but I know you said everybody is different. That's certainly the way for me. I'm wondering if that's how you always start with with people or advise people to start. Pick one place that they can feel they can manage within a time span. So first of all, are you a jogger or a sprinter? So I'm a sprinter. So I like to sprint, get it done, move on. That's me. Mm. Some people are much more method, 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 <laughs> methodical. And, um, and they're much more, you know, like I could do a little bit at a, at a, you know, at a time. So where are you on that scale? So mm. if you're a methodical person, then set yourself an hour a day to do, you know, different sections, have a plan. Um, I work um, intensively with people because I, I think that, you know, one of the, ha you know, apart from overwhelm, which people feel is, is we get discouraged. If we can't see an impact that we've made, then we tend to give up. Mm. So, so I'm really um, interested in having a, a, an impact on a space in a short amount of time so that people can then get on with their lives. Essentially yeah. clutter is just something that we need to get move you know sort out and then move on so um sometimes it's good to to work in in an area to pick one area so the kitchen's often a good place to start depend choose somewhere that is um less emotionally um loaded yes. so you know 
generally kitchens can be more functional it's much easier to see how many plates and cups you've got than how many clothes you've got if you've put on weight or if you know da 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 so um but when I work with people I generally get them to focus on what's on the table in front of them so they I take away the room and give them a, a pile so and you can do that with yourself you know if you're using my kit process it's really what the decisions right in front of me right now and it will create a lot of chaos when you're doing a declutter like a refurbishment it's going to be a chaotic process so the key thing is to complete it don't yeah. stop I was just thinking that yeah. yeah don't stop in the middle of a declutter project <laughs> so don't take on if you if you're maybe you're a sprinter and you're saying right this whole weekend I'm going to do the whole thing if you then get to Sunday afternoon lunchtime and you've got complete chaos you need to start putting it all back putting it all back together because that again is going to create discouragement if you you know people often say oh I get everything out and then I get into a muddle and then I don't want to do it again yeah so use a system but also you absolutely key is to complete and I go complete 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 and creative people are not necessarily complete finishers so that's something that you need to be aware of and really really push hard to to complete otherwise you're creating a model and the only creative model that's joyful is the creative process model that you're in yeah yeah when when you're you're actually making something other than just a great mess yeah yeah it's interesting when you said are you a jogger or a sprinter I think I'm a bit of both so Mm -hmm. I can do like there are small things that I can get my head get my head round um this weekend kind of took on and I was there kind of you know hoovering every corner chucking thing I mean that felt really good but I had the time set aside for that so I think being realistic about what amount of time that you've got to give to something is really helpful and in the studio I think it often it often just starts with that you know gathering together all your brushes clearing through all your paints sorting them into colors you know seeing where the duplicates are and I do that probably twice a year having a nice big sort out from fresh and the other thing that I find is that when you do this regularly the things that have the emotional charge sometimes that starts to fade yeah it does like the first time is really hard so don't be too harsh on yourself if you can't it's you don't have to do everything in one go right yeah and and I would say you you, you were asking me about where do you start and and you know whether or not you start with your dining room table or or your working space um and starting small and um building bigger I would say start with the things that are easy that Mm. you have less emotional attachment to Mm. um because those are the things that are going to make you feel more confident about um letting go I mean I do a lot of work with coaches and when a coach has delivered um, a training course for a, for, you know, they'll go, oh, there's so many good resources in here and I want to keep hold of them. And I say, well, okay, well, let put them on the maturation shelf. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they can mature for a bit. And then once you've done several other deliver- delivering of courses, that those will suddenly become old and you'll have moved on and then they'll be easier to let go of, you know? So generally you'll see that the aging process is, is kind of, I think your friend, your example of your friend, um, the girl who was doing the life drawing clearing. Yeah. Um, you know, we've moved on, you know, we don't use those mark makings styles anymore. And that was a good experiment, but you know, now I'm working on this or now I'm using this material. 
And it comes back to that, the guy with his laundry basket. There is very definitely something in, um, creatively, I'm thinking now, recognising and thanking the work for the work that you did at that stage. Mm. That it, It's done its work to get you where you are now. Mm. Doesn't yeah. mean to say that you have to hang on to it forever and ever. No. Um, it's just a space. You can photograph it. You know, if you want to keep the memory of that moment, you can photograph it. You don't need to keep that. You can keep a visual diary, you know, in a digital form. If you're wanting to keep a little bit of history of your process, um, you don't need to keep a pile or a stack of, of paintings. Yeah, that yeah, gets us onto digital which is a whole other thing that gives me more palpitations than just That's it. deciding to get rid of something okay. yeah it's interesting isn't it yeah. okay that's fantastic I hope that has given you lots of different ways perhaps so that when you go into your either your creative space or your space at home different ways to start seeing it differently the thing that I want to say as a result of this conversation is to give yourself a quiet moment in your space to make, make a time to hear the things that are nagging you within it. Because I think we rush, like we're busy, we want to do things, we've, we, we're going in, we want to do something creatively, or we've made this time to go and do something and we're, we're on with the doing. Whereas I think if you can just pause and listen to what is it that is nagging you to either clear it up or the other side of this is what is nagging you to make space for? Like one is a getting rid of and one is a moving towards and the end result might still be the same thing is that you clear a certain amount of space but it's those two questions I think that that pull in either ways what's feeling like a little bit of a drag like an anchor that you're dragging behind you that you maybe don't need to hold on to anymore and what is also the thing that you actually really want to create and make make room for that's why this conversation I think is so important um and really really helpful to think about so do reach out to helen um you can find her on instagram at ministry of calm and also um on facebook ministry of calm if you're a linkedin person i don't think many people listening to this are but if you're on linkedin it's the space therapist but um yeah do go and have a look because you know i want you to <laughs> I want everybody to start implementing this stuff because this is the kind of shift that really makes a difference. Right, before we wrap up then, can you share something with us with what's inspired you this week? I know you've just come back from a lovely holiday, which is always nice breathing and thinking space. Uh, is holiday going to be the thing that inspired or is there something else? What inspired me this week? Um, I think it was... Uh talking to my membership group actually last night and someone who was very very upset at the prospect of letting go of some of their very sentimental stuff yeah. and said actually I don't, I don't know if I ever want to do it yeah. and one of the other members in there and there's such a power of being in a group you know and I know you've got a membership group there's such a power of um, peer support and somebody saying it's okay to be where you are 
Yeah. You know, there isn't an imperative to be a minimalist, no. to be, um, you know, a perfectly organized person. You know, you are who you are and you can do the best that you can do. And what I really wanted to get across for, in my book was a sense of compassion. I, you know, there's so much judgment around people who are cluttered yeah. and it's and it's complicated and you know creative people are creative and they you know they collect stuff and there was just one last example that I was thinking of recently as you were talking was um someone that I knew who had a, a meticulous flat absolutely meticulous and then one room was their studio and it was complete chaos mm. and what I want to say about that is that we often have more than one aspect of our personality. And generally what happens is one part of the personality dominates so that you might have a very creative, dominant, spontaneous, you know, flowing part, but there might be another part of you that really yearns for order and tidiness and simplicity, or it might be the other way around. But generally, I think that we all have both. And, you know, if you have a situation where you can allow yourself to have that fluid flowing creative aspect or time and your other part that maybe needs structure and order without one dominating the other. So, you know, I think my closing message is really, you know, you're OK to be who you are. There's no judgment, you know. What you need to do is, like you said, sit down and listen to yourself and find whether or not there's some part of you that is being neglected or being overpowered by a more dominant part and allow that part to have a little bit of space and time in your life. That is a lovely thought to end on. I would love to hear from you what you do with this. So please tag us. Um, please tag me and please tag Helen at Ministry of Calm on Instagram. If this takes you to something that that changes things for you, we would love to see your space and what you do with a before or after um, whenever you're listening to this. It's just lovely to see that when we have these kind of conversations, it's actually what you do when you listen to it that's the point of having them um and the changes that can be made at whatever pace you do it at is so important so thank you so much Helen for your time and sharing um your ideas and your approach with us I think you'll agree that it is a very um as you say gentle and compassionate way of approaching this so if you want to find more the uh, book again is the secret life of clutter um you can find more about helen helensanderson.com and if you want to be a little bit more actively involved then get involved in the next getting clear workshop which is gettingclear.live and if you use the code juice50 that will save you 50 percent. so thank you very much for giving that to us um goodbye everybody and we will see you next time goodbye bye, bye.